This morning, we're going to open our Bibles to Isaiah 54. For, thank you for putting up with us in that. I just wanted to get that shared. I'm not going to go extremely long this morning. But we find out, I looked at Lifeway, and they came out with some statistics, and I just want to give them to you, share them with you real quickly, because this is a great time of year to, to help people with their pursuit of God. We found out that this time of year, when people make resolutions, that 57% of them make a resolution about their health. And we want to do that, right? Uh, one of the things that's on, that's on my mind, and I know that's on the Lord's mind, if I'll just get with his program, is, is health and to be more health conscious in our day. But here's the one I would really want you to understand, that, that 52% of the people, every other person that you see, have this idea when they break through to the new year that they want to change their relationship with God. They want their relationship with God to become closer. 52%. Easter this year is in March, and so that really is not going to to leave us for three or four months. And so we have the opportunity to make a, a big difference in people who are already thinking, I need to get my life right with God. I don't know about you guys, but many months before I came to Saving Knowledge of Christ when I was 28 years old, I had another a peer that was in management uh, with me in a different location. He and I would get together every now and again, and we would say to ourselves and say out loud before we came to Christ that, man, you know, we really need to get our life right with God. We would say that. It was a predetermined act. We knew we weren't doing what we needed to be doing to be right with God. And there are 52% of the people out there that are saying that very thing. Every other person. The field is ripe for harvest. The workers are few. Amen? Okay, so we're going to go through Isaiah 54. If you've got your Bibles, open with me, because I'm going to ask you to underline some things as we go. And we're just going to read it together and just kind of uh, break it down. On the retreat, this was uh, on the, uh, if, you're, if you don't know or didn't realize, we take the last weekend of every year, the last week of every year, I've got a buddy of mine who gives us a house down at the beach for free, and we go down there as a staff, and we begin to plan and pray and seek the Lord about this coming year, and that's what we've been doing all week. And in that week, Isaiah 54 was something that we just parked on. Isaiah 54 is written uh, about 700 years before Christ is born, and uh, in Isaiah 53, it is the prophecy of Messiah where Isaiah has a vision and he sees Messiah, and you need to read Isaiah 53 as you read Isaiah 54, but it talks about uh, the, the nature, the character, and the mission of the Messiah when he's going to come. It, 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 it is the place where we get where the angels quote it. They actually quote Isaiah 53 when they come to the shepherds and say, Behold, I bring you great tidings of, of great joy. Good tidings of great joy. It comes from Isaiah 53 and, that, and, and this whole idea of man living in peace comes from 53 and 54. And so that is the background. The background of, of Isaiah 53 is that Messiah is coming. There's going to there's gonna be a change, and then we, and we get into 54. So let's read it, and I'm going to read it out loud to you. Sing, O barren, you have, who have 
not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Say that with me. Do not spare. Say it again loudly. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Let me just stop right there. Let's go over just a few things. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the barren woman. Well, what is barrenness? What is being referred to here in Isaiah? Well, barrenness really and what it's being referred to is the woman is the church because he's going to refer to himself as the husband in just a little bit. And we know that the church is the bride of Christ. And Jesus is the husband. And so it is going to be mentioned here in just a moment, but we know that the barren woman is the church that's barren. Now, what does that mean as a person of faith, as a person who, who relates to Christ, who's received Christ? You're a son or a daughter of God. You are the barren woman. That means that, that, that somehow in some capacity, in some area of your life, you have barrenness. You haven't seen the fruitfulness of God. In other words, barrenness can be fruitlessness. It can be fruitlessness. It can be a place where you're not bearing any fruit. And so he's saying, oh, you child of God who, who aren't bearing any fruit in this area, or maybe it looks as if it's totally death. So barrenness could refer to death or desert or, or maybe a dry place. Oftentimes you hear people when they talk about their relationship with God, they, they talk about um, how they're in a, I'm just in a dry place. Or I feel like I'm in a desert. That would be barrenness. That would be a place of, 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 of fruitlessness. A desert, a dry place. Where... God's presence doesn't seem to be there, where there seems to be an absence of God's presence. In other words, we can come to church sometimes and man, see the flow and, the, and, the, and, and just the presence of God be so strong and we're like moved to tears. And, and then we walk out and we, and we see a, a situation or we get back to the reality of, of opening our checkbooks or, or, you know, or having to go to a job that we hate or whatever it might be. We come to the reality. We call it reality. But what it really is is the barrenness. It's a barren place. It's a dry place. It's a place where we don't see the presence of God or the fruitfulness of the presence of God. That's the barren woman. And that's who Isaiah is addressing. He's addressing the children of God, the children of Messiah, the family of God. Some of us oftentimes feel like somehow we're the least in the kingdom of God. That somehow we don't matter so much to God. We see God working in other people's lives. We see things moving. We see the presence of God. But somehow we feel like we're being skipped over. Anybody felt like that? You don't have to raise your hand. But I hope, I hope that I'm ministering to somebody because I believe that there's many of us in here that feel that way. That we see, we see God moving in somebody else's life, but we feel like we're the least in the kingdom. That would be a barrenness. 
That would be a place of barrenness where, where you, 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 you don't feel like you are experiencing the same things that other people are experiencing. So what is the solution? Well, the solution is in verse 1, chapter 1. Let's put that right back up there if we can. Sing, O barren. Break forth in singing and cry aloud. You know, it seems as if it's the very opposite thing that people would do in a place of barrenness. If a woman was barren in this particular time in history, it was the worst thing that could happen to her. She would be frowned upon, looked down upon. I mean, it was not a very good place. And, and the Lord's antidote for her condition was to sing. And cry to God. About what? About her barrenness. About her fruitlessness. I had a, a single woman come to me one time. Maybe you've heard me tell the story before. I apologize if you have. But it's, it's, it's the best example that I know. She was depressed and discouraged. And she came to my office and she wanted me to help her with her relationship with God and with the pain that she was in and the discouragement that she was in and the depression that she was in, and she, she was looking for an answer. And my answer to her was, you need to sing. You need to worship. You know, it's really hard to be discouraged, depressed if you're singing. Whatever mood you're in, try singing. It changes. So why does it change in here? Because we're all singing. Now, there are people that they can be in this place and have their arms crossed and in a posture that you can't make me sing. And they're probably not going to get much from the singing. But the answer to the barrenness and the fruitfulness and the dry place and the challenges in life and the areas that we see that we need the miraculous of God is singing and crying out to God. Praise and worship is your solution. It is your life. Deal with barrenness through worship. We enthrone God in song. When we sing to him, it releases the miraculous into your situation. Praise and worship is the gateway to the kingdom coming to earth. If you're not seeing the kingdom of God in your life or in a situation or in a dry place or in something like that, you can be assured that you have the key. And, and, and what Jesus is saying what through Isaiah is he's saying, listen, if you're having trouble, if you're not, if you're not getting it, if, if you don't see God moving in this particular place, what's your answer? What's your solution? Praise the Lord. Worship God. Sing to Him. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of His people. You sing praise to God and He comes. The gateway to heaven is open. The kingdom has potential to come down in your situation. Does that mean every time that you sing it's going to be solved? 
Absolutely not, but you could get a prophetic vision. It says in Scripture that without vision, people perish. But that word, and this came up a lot at Stafford Retreat, that word is without prophetic vision, without God's solution, without God's spirit, without God's touch on something, people perish. So you need, the, you need the kingdom to come. Well, how do you get that? You get that through singing and worship. And so then he says, so spread out your tents. He says, spread out your tents and do not spare. That's why I had you said. Let's say it again. Do not spare. What's he talking about? This is what God is saying in that scripture. And you, 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 you read it. You study it this afternoon. He's saying to you and me that the things that you're expecting me to do the miraculous in, I, I want you to expand that, what that looks like. In other words, oftentimes we say we have this one-track mindedness. God, I really need you to work with my wife, or I really need you to work with my husband, or I really need you to work in my finances. But we've got this one area that we th we, we're putting underneath this tent that we need the miraculous of God to happen under, and this is what God says do. He says, if you want, if you want to see me move, this is what you need to do. You need to sing and cry out to me and expand the territory in which you think I need to work, work the miraculous. Stretch out your tents. Don't spare any place that I need to bring my abundance to, that I need to bring my miraculous grace to. Spare nothing. Everything bring to me. Everything put up underneath that tent. Bring everything to me, believing that I'm the solution and I'm the answer, and that's what he says. So what do you do? You sing and you cry out to him. And you expand your tent. So oftentimes we've got these places we want God to move in, but we've got sin in our lives that we hold really close because we don't want him to be messing with that. We don't want to even admit it's sin. And so we don't spread our tents out. We say to the Lord, if we, you know, move right here, and when you move there, I might give you something else. I don't think that's the message here. I think the message is that I'm the redeemer. I'm the restorer. I'm the one. We're going to see that here in a minute. Put everything underneath the tent. Expect me to do miraculous things everywhere in your life. You know what? Uh, Stephen's talked just a minute ago just about the whole year of jubilee and you know what i figured and I, I just see it all the time and this is simple you think well that's the power of positive thinking well probably but i think that is what god wants us to do is to begin to believe him and think positively toward the things of him and expand the tent this is the year of jubilee well in our church We've been talking about what the year of Jubilee is and that you can expect to get your inheritance back and that which you've lost, we restored because that's what God promises. And so people began to believe that God wanted to bring stuff back to them, that God wanted to actually uh, remove debt, that God actually wanted to bring in extra income. And they started to believe that. And guess what? I started getting phone calls. 
Pastor, you wouldn't believe it, but the IRS forgave a debt. What? Or I've got this check or that check or this happened or that happened. It just started happening. Why? Because there was an expectation. What happened? They spread out their tent. They included that in that tent. Pay raises had happened this year. Why? Because they had this expectation that God's grace could abound in that arena. And guess what? It happened. It happened. So there is this expectation that to know as we spread out our tents that that is an act of faith. When you start believing and expecting God to move in every area of your life, that's an act of faith. And what God says, don't spare. Don't hold anything back. Don't expect just a little. Don't just give me a couple things. Give me a lot. Show me a lot. Give me a lot to work with. Sing to me. Cry out to me. Watch me move the mountain. I'm the one who moves mountains. I'm the one who makes it low like a plane. So oftentimes, though, it's our past that hinders us because we, we think that we've done too much, that we've screwed things up so badly that somehow God can't move. I had a lady came up to me after the first service, and this is what she says. She said, you get my email this week? And I said, no. I've been out of town. I hadn't checked emails. I apologize. <laughs> Listen to this, y'all. Come on. She said, I sent an email to tell you that I was thinking about ways to kill myself. And the Lord took me to Isaiah chapter 54. And said, there's nothing that I have done that he can't forgive me of. And this passage of scripture as we're about to read, your past is your past. You need to get over your past. You need to get by your past. And you need to start receiving your inheritance. And we're going to talk about that. Let's read the rest of it. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Don't fear, because you're not going to be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. The, pl the places that have been dry, the places that you haven't given to God, he says, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't, don't, don't think about the past. Don't, don't, don't be looking at that as if you withheld for God for so long in that particular area that it's too late to give it to him now. Don't fear. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face for you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah. Now this is what I want you to see. For this is like the waters of Noah. Should no more go over the earth. 
This is like the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be. Uh, what version is that? That's King James. Let's get to one I can read. <laughs> what is that? But with everlasting kindness and mercy. For as I have sworn to, that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. Now let me just give it, let me just give that this is it's so important as we understand who God is. He's saying to you, I'm not an angry God. He's saying, he's saying with that there's been a change in the climate. That with this Messiah, there's a change. What's the change? Well, the change is, just like the floods of Noah, and I put the rainbow up and said, I'll never flood the earth again, so it is true with my anger. And then my kindness and my mercy are going to be replaced instead of the anger. And that's what Jesus brings. To whatever situation, whatever you've done in the past, whatever needs to be redeemed, he is the redeemer. He's your husband. Now listen, I want you to get a hold of this. This husband thing is big. If you're a barren woman, you have, you don't have a husband that can't produce. Your husband is God, the creator of the world, it says. He can create anything into your situation. He can bring anything into your situation. He's fertile. He can bring fruitfulness. And that's what he says about your situation. He's our redeemer. He is replacing his wrath with peace. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Say that with me. My kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed Say that, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. O oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your uh, pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal and your walls of precious stone. All your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression and you shall not fear for from terror for it shall you shall not fear from terror for it shall not come near you listen indeed they shall surely assemble but not because of me whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake behold i created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire who brings forth an instrument for his work and i have created the destroyer to destroy god's saying here that all these things he created right all the stuff the devil was created by god the, get, the devil is not omnipresent. He's probably not messing with you. It's probably some of his angels. And, it's, and it's, it's who he is. It's what he does. He's the destroyer. He's the one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But God's saying right here that he created him to do what? To destroy. He created the destroyer to destroy. But look what it says next. 
It says, but because you're my kids, but because you belong to me, but because I'm your husband and I have redeemed you and you're the righteousness of God, even though I created the destroyer to destroy, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Because of what? Because you are his sons and his daughters. This is the promise. What do you got to do? You got to sing to God. You got to cry out to him. You've got to expand your tents. And the favor extends to the families. He says, I'm going to replace your travail. I'm going to replace your affliction with rubies, crystals, diamonds. In other words, I'm going to take something that was against you, and I'm going to bring it to something that's beautiful. And I'm going to abundantly bless whatever that might be. I'm going to take it from one place to another. You have to understand this. This is what I want us to understand this year. This is who God is. It's not something that he does, and he does it for his kids. He does it because we're his children. It is, it is ours. He's the Redeemer. What do we need to do? We need to sing to God when there's barrenness. When we don't see fruitfulness, we need to worship him because he inhabits the praises of his people. We need to cry out to him because he wants to bring jewels where there's affliction. Where there's desert and dryness, he wants to bring fruitfulness and abundance. That's what he says. Now look what it says here about our kids. It says even our children can experience this if we'll bring it about. He's already provided it through Jesus. If we'll do our part, which is sing and praise and cry to him and expand our tents, it can pass down to our kids. Well, what does that mean? That means because of your lifestyle and what you're doing, the abundance of God can pour over to your children. Your gates of crystal and your walls of precious stones, all your children shall say all. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. Say that again. And great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but because of me, whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth the instrument of his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon. Formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And I say that again. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Say that loud like you know that it means you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is what the expectation of God is for your life. And what's he say do? He says, when you're in a barren place, when you don't see fruitfulness, when you're dry, when, you're, when you see death, sing. Praise to God. Cry out to him. Don't be single-minded in saying, I've got this one little issue, God. Could you take care of that? Expand your tents. Stretch out the stakes. 
expect God to do even more and watch your inheritance take place. God wants to do it. He says he is your righteousness. He's the one who does the work. This is a picture of the church. and It's a picture of the individual. It goes from being Israel to us. It goes from coming through a priest to being able to go to an individual. So God says to you and me, when we have struggles, when we have strife, when we have affliction, when hell comes at you, it cannot prosper. No weapon formed against you can prosper. I created the destroyer to destroy, but not the children of God. I created you to have an inheritance, to have a heritage of fruitfulness, a heritage of abundance. And one of the things that we had to deal with on the staff retreat by many was just a spirit of poverty. That somehow God didn't want you to prosper in something. Now, prosperity, it doesn't mean that you're going to get rich all the time. But God brings about more than we need. In every situation in Scripture, he always brings you more than you need. With, even with Job. Job got everything taken from him. We always look at that part. But what did God do? He restored to Job. He redeemed to Job tenfold. Abundance. What is it that you need restored? What is it that you need redeemed in your life? Who is it in your family that needs to be restored to God? What is it that you need to spread your tent over and begin to sing about this year? God wants to bring abundance to your life. In Ezekiel, let's stand. In Ezekiel 37 and 47, there are two passages of Scripture. Stay with me as I go through this, if you would, please. In 37 and 47, there's two Scriptures. And they, and they tie in with Isaiah 54 and the message that God has for you. Say, say this right here to the person next to you. God has a message for you this morning. This message is for you. Isaiah 37 is about the dry bones. Anybody ever heard the story about the dry bones? Isaiah sees this vision in, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He sees these visions of dead bones, deadness, barrenness, dryness, death. And he says that the Spirit of God comes on it. And he says, speak, prophesy life. And he sees these dead bones come to life where they get muscle, they get tendons, they get everything. And then it says, and breathe on them. And he breathed on them and it received life. It began to bear the fruit that God intended it to bear. And he's saying to you and me today, when you have a barren place that's dead, that needs resurrection, redemption, and reconciliation to God, that needs the miraculous grace of God to come upon it. Sing to me, O barren. Cry out to me. Expand your tents and watch the grace of God bring healing and health to it. In Ezekiel chapter 47, there's a picture of a river that flows from the throne of God. It's a beautiful picture. It's about 600 feet wide. 
It's not a creek. And the first time that in the spirit of the Lord, he got sees it, he says, it was ankle deep. He took me out and he walked me through it over this 600 feet of water and it was ankle deep. And then I worshiped. <laughs> then I sing to the Lord. And then I cry out to him. And I expand my tent. And I believe. <laughs> and that spirit and that river began to flow deeper. And I was at my knees. And then I would sing to God and expand my tent. And that river would come to my waist until there was a time when it was over my head. Now here's the word of the Lord for you and for this congregation of believers. There's a place where you can be in the rest of God that you no longer have to strive. That the river of the Lord is overflowing. And have you ever seen a river out of its banks? It destroys everything. It takes everything with it. And God says, I am the righteousness. I am your righteousness. I am the spirit. I am the power. I'm doing the work. You do your part. What's your part? Sing praises unto me. And my presence will come. And there will be a river that flows from that that's going to do destruction to those things that come against the kingdom of God in your life. You've got to believe that the kingdom of heaven wants to come out on these things. And you've got to pray and sing and cry to the Lord and expand your tents over those things. And I think the Spirit of God is going to wipe out those things that come against you. It's going to, they're going to water those dry places because in Ezekiel 47 it says, everything that the water touches was fruitful. Everything that the Spirit of God touched, everything that the kingdom came down on, it, it was fruitful. Isaiah was a hundred years before Ezekiel, thereabouts. Saying the same thing. And this is it. When Messiah comes, he's changing everything. When the Spirit of God is poured out, changes the game. Where there was no power, now there's power. Where there was no way to fight, now we can fight. How can we fight? There's a river that flows from the throne of God. Jesus said about you and me, out of you will flow rivers of living water. And everything that it touches will prosper. Why? Because it's your heritage. You need to hear that. It's your heritage. If you're a man or a woman of God, it's your heritage. You should settle for nothing. It says in that scripture that nothing, no weapon formed against you should prosper. Say that with me. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. Don't settle. Don't spare. No weapon formed against you will prosper because of your inheritance because you're, you're a child a son of God that's all that's why nothing that you do everything he did so if you're here today and you need to commit your life to Christ we're going to have people up front that's going to pray for you in just a moment we want to pray we want you to expand your tents up here I need to bring this to God. I need this to be underneath that tent. I need this. I need this. There's going to be people that want to pray for you. I pray you wear them out for me, would you? 
Wear them out. Father, I pray your blessing upon this congregation of believers. I ask you, God, that your word would be true and they would bear fruit because we do what you ask us to do. That we sing when we don't feel like singing. When we're dry and barren, we sing praises to God because that's where our help comes from. Because you inhabit the praises of your people. And I pray that we would expand our expectations of what you're going to do this year, God. And that you would move with power. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name.